Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Nir Felder. You're listening to the Behind the Note podcast with Chris Davis. You're listening to Behind the Note podcast, brought to you by a musician for musicians. Here, you will get advice toward a successful music career. This show is made to educate, inspire, motivate, and empower. Now, here is your host, Chris hey, Davis. Hey, how you doing now? Hey, hey, how you doing now? Hey, hey, how you doing now? Hey, hey, how you doing now? Thanks for pressing play. That's some pretty fun music. I'm so thankful to be with you today. We have a great episode for you. We're going to answer a listener question, and we're going to get right into that. But first, I want to take the time to dedicate this episode to my beautiful wife, Raquel, because she takes our children out for a good time in the neighborhood so that I can spend some time with you. So I'm thankful for that. So I want to dedicate this episode to her. And she also does some show notes for me. And uh, that's a real big help. So if you ever go to BehindTheNote.com, you'll see some beautifully typed out notes about each episode. And she, she helps me with that. Today, we're going to answer the question, what are you struggling with? This what are you struggling with in your musical journey? Because this is a question that I asked the people on my email list, and I got some pretty interesting replies, and I'm going to share one of those replies with you. Now, if you would like to join the email list and you're not on it, that would be cool because if you join on the homepage of BehindTheNote.com, you will receive three keys to a successful music career. Totally free. It's a gift from me to you. I'm going to read this letter to you in full. I'm not going to reveal who wrote it. This person will remain anonymous because I want to maintain good standing in our relationship. Uh, it's very important. Uh, I'm going to read this in full and then we're going to spend the entire episode talking about this. I think many, I think all musicians go through this or will go through this if you are in the game long enough. All right, so here's the letter. The biggest worry I have is establishing a financial foundation. Big surprise. I'm trying to figure out how I will balance maintaining my musical integrity and pursuing musical opportunities that interest me and building a and building a foundation to eventually but fairly soon support myself and a family. My ideal is teaching at the university level while having the freedom to play the gigs I want to play and not have to worry about the money. Being paid to play music is awesome until that money has to pay your expenses. At that point, it feels like a job. I am working a day job in sales right now and I don't particularly like it. It does help with paying my expenses, leaving any money I make from gigs a bonus. As I mentioned, I would prefer my day job to be teaching music. I am contemplating going back to school to pursue a DMA or PhD in hopes that it would eventually make me suitable candidate for a full-time position somewhere. But there are no guarantees with anything. So it might be for nothing. It's uncertainty that worries me the most. 
I wouldn't mind teaching at lower levels as well, at least to begin with. But that would still require more schooling and money and which could also turn and which could also in turn result in me being in the same place I am in now. I have my master's degree in jazz studies from Northwestern. I would like to hope that would be enough certification slash merit to get some type of full time teaching job. But I just don't know. I understand that you are a teacher as well. Would you mind sharing with me how you ended up there? Again, I appreciate you reaching out. I apologize for venting, but this is something I've been thinking about for a long time now. I love music. I love playing music and I love teaching music, but I don't believe that music is something that is worth going broke for. I just see no value in the struggling musician lifestyle. And that's the letter in full. And I want to say thank you so much for voicing your feelings. And I know personally, I can definitely relate to just about everything that you've written here. And I want to say before I get into this, that I don't, I do not believe by any means that what I'm about to say is the only way to go because it's not, there's always more than one solution to a problem. And I, I know that. And I believe that. And with that being said, I'm going to offer my two cents on, on this, uh, at least, at least uh, part of my opinion, because uh, these episodes aren't really long enough. This is a pretty uh, serious topic, I think. So the first thing, in the beginning, the writer says, uh, the biggest worry I have is establishing a financial foundation. And that's something that all of us have gone through. So I want to begin by putting something in your mind. Time freedom is an important thing to have. And let's, and let's begin by defining wealth. What is wealth? I, I learned recently, I was reading, I believe it was Rich Dad, Poor Dad, or maybe it was the Cash Flow Quadrant, but it was Robert Kiyosaki. Either way, he wrote both of those books. And he says, wealth is, this is the definition of wealth. How long can you go without working and still have enough money to take care of your needs? That is the definition of wealth. So some people think, if I only had a million dollars or X amount of dollars, then I'll be good to go. But I'm going to use this definition of wealth. How long can you go without working and still have enough money to take care of your needs? That's a pretty solid definition because imagine, now this is only hypothetical, but stay with me. Imagine if you only had $1,000 of expenses per month, everything, everything included. And let's say you have $10,000 in the bank. Now you're wealthy for 10 months. You can do anything you desire. You don't have to go to work for 10 months because you have 10 months of, of expenses in the bank. So that's our definition of wealth. Now, if you look at it that way, I think you can realize that anybody can really be wealthy, right? With a little planning and, and discipline, right? So I want to tell you something that I believe, which is this. Time freedom is an important thing to have. 
how can a person accomplish time freedom? Well, one way is to have part-time work with full-time pay. And there are many people doing this already outside of the music field, outside of the music world. Well, I'm sure there are musicians doing it too. But outside of the music world, people are doing this left and right all day. Another way to do this is with contracted jobs where you are paid for results and not time traded for dollars. And this, these contracted jobs can also be part-time work, although not always, right? Another way to accomplish this would be to buy some things and then fix them up and then sell for a profit, also known as flipping. Or you might take something that you already own. Like I have a trumpet, <laughs> I have a trumpet in my possession that I've been playing for the last eight years, and it's and it's worth at least two thousand dollars. It's worth more than that. And if I sold that, that's two grand, two grand in my in my account. And by our earlier example, that's two months of freedom. That's just one way to go about it. So I guess what I'm what I'm trying to get at is try to. Think of uh, some creative ways to free up your time that would allow you to do some of the things you desire. Something I've learned is that when you have a struggle in an area, that is an area that you have room for improvement. So if a financial foundation is of concern to you, then expand yourself in the area of finances. And the first place to begin is with your mind. Start with your thinking. I'm about to recommend some books for you here. And if you want to change your thinking, the first thing that you need to do is change what you look at. I heard it said in the past, what you look at most is what you will desire most. What you look at most is what you will desire most. And I think that's why some people do vision boards and things like that. I'm not recommending that you do a vision board, although I guess it could be helpful. But I am saying, uh, what, are, what are you looking at? So I'm actually suggesting that you begin a reading habit if you don't already have one. I don't know. You might already have a reading habit. But if you don't, I encourage you to begin a reading habit because this is one way that I believe will change your thinking the fastest. And that's been my story, actually. I wasn't much of a reader until a couple of years ago. And the book that changed my thinking was The Compound Effect. Like I said, I read that book and I just learned something very basic, which is that the small things add up over time. The compound effect. So if you want to begin a new habit or or delete an old habit, change one small thing and that will become uh, a big thing for you. It'll, it'll multiply exponentially over time. So for me, I began by reading one half hour a day. That was it. And actually, I took I took Sundays off, sometimes Saturdays also. But on the weekdays, I was reading for one half hour. I, I, I downloaded books on my phone and I also set my timer on my phone. And no matter where I was, 
I would just stop reading after a half hour. Well, something very interesting happened. What do you know? The compound effect happened. I was reading entire books within two to four weeks. And I'm a pretty slow reader. And I was I was finishing books, entire books in that in that short amount of time, which was new for me. And this is something that I still do now today. Uh, but that reading habit was was huge in in changing my habits and, and my thinking. So the first concern in the letter is a financial foundation, which is a solid concern. That's something that we all deal with no matter what profession we're in. So here is my recommended reading list concerning that rich dad poor dad and the cash flow quadrant both by robert kiyosaki i just mentioned those two books read crush it by gary vaynerchuk and the four-hour work week by tim ferris now that title is a little misleading it is not about only working four hours per week but he gives you some pretty solid recommendations on how you can change your work life and leverage your time in your favor. All right. Use audibletrial.com slash behind the note because it's a win, win, win situation. You get a free book. You get a free book download. Audible gets your service and Audible also pays me a commission, $15. If you if you download a free book using audibletrial.com slash behind the note, win, win, win. And I didn't mean to put that plug in there, but I ended up talking about books. So I thought it would be a good time. Moving on now, this will give you a new understanding of what's possible. These things that I've talked about. So if you're able to free up your time and, and do part-time work for full-time pay, if you, if you begin to, change your thinking by what you're looking at. And I'm suggesting that you begin a reading habit if you have not already started one. All of these things together will show you what's actually possible. It will show you what people are actually doing to earn a living. These things have nothing to do with music. And it's for that very reason I'm suggesting to you right now. I believe it's good to look outside of your immediate area of influence to improve yourself. In this case, start with the books. The key to the financial foundation that you speak of is to create steady cash flow where you do not trade your time for money. Get creative here. This can be music related, but it might not be music related at all. As a musician, what are some things that you can do? I know people are already doing these things, but let's just think about this for a minute. Number one, write. Write music, right? And then you're going to have to sell it. Now, that's the thing that a lot of musicians back away from is the promoting and the marketing and, and the business part of being a musician. You're a musician. You are automatically a business person if you want to work, okay? And you have to think of yourself that way, all right? Now, a solution to that, if you don't feel comfortable marketing and promoting yourself, simple solution is to hire someone to do it for you. So that's one thing that you can do. But there's really no way around it. All right. Somebody's going to have to do it for you if you don't do it for yourself. OK, so let's go to the next part of this letter here. The writer mentions that teaching at the university level is a desire. That's great. This is what I say about that. I say make some noise about this fact 
that you have the desire to teach at a university level. I will always begin my searches with people that I know and I take it from there. So that's what I'm suggesting here. For example, start with your former university professors. They know of something that is opening up in the near future for sure. Or they might know, they have friends, right? People talk. So start with the people that you know there. They know your character. They know you as a person. They know your work ethic. And they will be comfortable recommending you to a colleague or pointing you in the right direction. So I always, I would like to start there. And also tell any teacher that you know, not necessarily your former teachers, but like just if you have any friends that are teachers, for example, let them know too because they are already in that circle. So ask them to spread the word on your behalf. And the reason this is so important is because people don't think of you as a university professor currently because they don't physically see you as a university professor. So it's hard for someone to imagine you in that role if you're not in that role. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's going to it's going to be up to you to put that image in their mind. And once that image is in their mind, it, it'll be easier for them to see you in that role, easier for them to recommend you for that role, easier for them to call you to offer you a job in that role. This is something this is something that I've actually practiced in the past. And people might call it, what do they call it? A politi- politicking is that? Oh, gosh, I'm just messing up words. Um, but it's politics, right? Unfortunately, but it is. So sometimes you have to play that game. I wish it was not that way, but it is that way sometimes, especially when you're talking about university positions. A lot of politics involved, right? So get in people's ear and allow them to imagine you in that position. You know, now a lot of people are, you mentioned the PhD. I I didn't want to get ahead of myself. Uh, But you mentioned the PhD as a requirement to do this. Now, a lot of universities are requiring this PhD, but some of them are not. And I just recommend if you, if you see an attractive job that you think fits your skill and your talent, I'd say just go ahead and apply for it. And just like everything else uh, that we've talked about here on Behind the Note in the past, you know, if, if you see something that really attracts you, I would suggest that you physically go meet the people. Maybe you can make an appointment at the office. I don't know if you want to be that formal. Um, but if you can find out where they're going to be, maybe in an informal setting, like a convention, perhaps, or a dinner, I don't know. But if you can just meet them and keep meeting them, if that makes any sense, keep being where they are, keep letting them see your face and let your work be known, right? That's, I believe, is a good way to maybe get get the position that you desire. And I know some people that are actually using YouTube to do this. I have actually, believe it or not, lost a gig for not having a YouTube channel. This was some years ago, but still. And I also know somebody who earned a university position. <laughs> How ironic they were talking about this. Earned a university position 
because they had a lot of YouTube videos and it was very well laid out, very thorough teachings on on the YouTube. And they used their YouTube channel and presented it to the person that was hiring. And a few weeks went by, but this this person got the university job, which was pretty interesting. So, oh, one more thing on that note. I also, I just want to encourage you. I also know someone who does not have a master's degree, believe it or not. Not even a master's degree, just a bachelor's degree. However, they are, they are employed by a major university, a, a very large university. So I just say that to give you hope because it's really possible. It's really possible. Maybe not something that you see regularly, but it's definitely possible. So you say, I am working a day job in sales right now, and I don't particularly like it. So you don't like your job. Okay, I'm about to go out on a limb here. And when I start to talk this way, a lot of people look at me funny. But here it goes. This is what I believe. I believe you should get out of that position as soon as you possibly can. And when I begin to speak this way, people, like like I said, they always look at me funny. But it's because they're thinking about all of their responsibilities. And that's under, understandable. I am not suggesting to be irresponsible by any means, especially if you have a family to take care of. Consider this, though. There is some type of job that you can perform that you can enjoy where you can have some type of peace. What is that job? Move toward that job today by making the phone call you need to make, by filing for that application, filling out the application, or, or uh, adapting your resume. Whatever small step you can take today, go ahead and take that step today. You know, I'm not saying quit your job tomorrow, you know, but I'm saying take the steps that you need to take to get out of the thing that you're not happy with because life is too short. When you consider all of the time that you spend in that in that work environment and away from your family and the things that really matter in life, and if that's not your if that's not your calling, if it's not where you're you're uh, talented, if it's not where you're really skilled, then this is my belief. I think you can be better used in a different environment. And you probably would thrive in a different environment. I also recommend Dan Miller's podcast and book. There's a book and a podcast by the same name. It's 48 Days to the Work You Love. And Dan has helped thousands of people get the work they love within that time frame, time frame of 48 days. And you can find Dan at 48days.net. I hope that I am being uh, being very clear here, but just just think about one more thing before we get on to the next to the next part. This is something that I just believe you want to help people. Life is really about serving people. It's really about helping people. That's what business in general is about. That's why you were given your talent that you have. It wasn't given to you for yourself, right? But to share with other people to help another person's life in some way. 
All right. Now that's true of every living person. So if you're not happy in your uh, in your sales job, somebody else will be happy because that's what they're that's what they were created to do to to sell. I guess some people are really made to do that, right? And if that's not you, that's totally fine, you know. But but what were you created to do? And I'm just saying, run toward that because. It'll make you, you'll be happier, but the people that you're supposed to help will be thankful. And that stuff has a a ripple domino effect for generations, man. So, yeah. So I would say go ahead, get out of that situation responsibly. Okay. But yeah, go ahead, get out of that situation and, and just go for the music. The music. Uh, sounds like you want to be a music teacher, maybe. Okay, the next part says, I prefer, no, I, I just read that, sorry. Uh, let's see. Oh, the PhD, the, the DMA and the PhD pursuit. And I kind of just touched on that, but you mentioned that it might be for nothing. And this is true because having the credentials does not guarantee a job, right? This is very true, and you know that. Now, this is something that we know is true. Few things in life are certain especially that which appears to be the most certain. Man, I got to tell you a personal story uh, right here. I got called to do, I got called to do a job when I was minding my own business in life. I randomly got a call one day, and this was pretty interesting. It was for a high school teaching position when I was not even considering being a teacher. All right. And I decided that I would go in to interview for the job for the sake of interviewing, because I, at, that, at that point I had no experience or I had, I had very little experience in interviews. So I decided, yeah, let me go in here and get this interview practice under my belt. But I showed up and it turned out to be a very attractive position. So I thought about it and then I finally accepted the position. And one thing they told me in the interview was that before me, the position was a revolving door. And they wanted to make sure that I stayed put for a considerable amount of time. And I had no problem with doing that. I was totally for it. And the position was music teacher, okay? So I was actually, this was a small school of about 400 students. So I was the band director, which I have a lot of experience in. I was the choir director, which I have a little bit of experience in. And I also taught general music, a survey of, of music history, which I had some history in, okay? And, and that was fine. So I was totally okay with giving up. I told them, yeah, I'll give you at least four years, you know, and that was totally fine with me. And here's the thing. At the end of three years' time, they pulled me into the office, and they said, we're cutting the music program. And I I just, I wasn't happy about that. I was not concerned about myself, actually, and that's the truth. Because, like, the two years before that, every year that I was there, I got a job offer to leave and go somewhere else. So I really wasn't concerned about myself as far as having a, a job and earning money. But we just really began to click, the students and I. 
you know, it took it took uh, it took that time. It took like a year and a year and a half to get used to them and for them to get used to me, for us to have love and respect for each other and, and to develop the systems that needed to be developed in, in the program. And then they're cutting it. So I wasn't happy for that reason. And that kind of like showed me how things really are in education. It's a business. And I won't get into that. That's a, that's a whole nother story. But that that's part of my story. So that just that's just one example of how things are not certain. Right. Even though they may appear to be certain because things happen in general. So I guess my point is this. If if you have a desire to pursue something, pursue it without fear, period. And the Ph.D., the DMA might be for nothing, but that totally depends on your motives. So why do you want the DMA or the Ph.D.? If you want it for yourself, go all in, man. If you don't and you want to use it to perhaps to get a job, I don't know about that. You know, I would I would just ask myself some questions, maybe talk to some trusted friends about that. People who have done it and, and you know, get some insight. So that's that's what I have to say about that. I hope that was helpful or uh, gives you some things to consider. All right. The final part of the letter says, would you mind sharing with me how you ended up there? Referring to me being a teacher. Okay, sure. No problem. I kind of just just told you a little bit how I ended up being a teacher. Um, I started out, I pretty had, I pretty much had a pretty cool beginning. I think the college I went to, I went to Northern Illinois university and I was in the jazz ensemble, the, the touring ensemble. And it was there that I began to really begin to have some experience teaching. I was just kind of thrown in, in the fire and I was not in school to learn how to teach. I wasn't on the education track. But it was then that I realized, wow, like the students really are responding well to me and I and I enjoy this. So I began to notice then. But at that point, I had already began college. I actually changed my major to education. And then like a semester, like a semester in, I just I learned that I would basically become a freshman again. And I was like, what? I didn't understand that. So I went back to the track that I had began and I ended up graduating with a performance degree, which I do not recommend for any young person who is about to go to college uh, because you can really learn how to perform by performing. Right. So that's part of the business of education. In my opinion, they should just take that off of the books. Don't even offer a performance track. That's ridiculous. At least you, I, I think at least a, a college or university should require that you already have a degree or something, but they don't really care about us <laughs> in the words of Michael Jackson. All right. So anyway, uh, graduated college, went to Carnival Cruise Lines. That was my first job out. And then uh, I came home for what I thought was going to be a a break, like a few weeks off to return back to the ships. But that's when I got that call that I just told you about. And then I ended up teaching high school, which was actually a sweet gig because it was near my hometown. It was actually the, the next town over. 
And it was really good pay, especially for someone as young as I was. I was still in my early 20s or mid-20s. Yeah, mid-20s. So that's how I got started. And I do still teach today. However, I don't teach in the traditional role. Uh, like my first teaching gig out of college, I was the I was uh, a full-time teacher in the high school. But now I do... I do um, brass instructor work in local schools in my area and I do workshops like a lot of uh, like a lot of uh, musicians do and the way that I'm able to do that is primarily through the relationships that I've built over the years actually and I thought about this because there was a time like after after they cut the music program at the high school I was at I didn't it, it, it was weird. I didn't get any new jobs. Whereas the three years prior, I kept getting offers to come to these schools. And then when I, when the position was cut and I didn't have a job, I was looking for jobs and I couldn't get a job. That was really interesting. So there was a, there was definitely a downtime there. Uh, and then suddenly everything began to flourish again. And I thought about it, like, why is this happening? Now, you know, and it's just my answer that I came up with is that it's just seasons of life. So, you know, you, you plant seed and then you harvest. There's seed time and then there's harvest. So, yeah, it's it's really a, a process. And I know people want things immediately. Unfortunately, I have not found a way around the process. So. Uh, that's how I'm able to teach now in, in the way that I do. So I have those relationships with people that I've met over the years. And I try really to help others when I can. Like if I'm offered a position and I, and I, I can't help by working for someone or maybe I, it's bad timing or maybe I'm, maybe I'm not interested, I always pass it on to someone I think will fit well. Uh, yeah. So also, I need to say that Orbert Davis has really been a big help to me because we're going to we're going to have Orbert on the show. We've been talking. So you'll learn more about his program. But he's the director of the Chicago Jazz Philharmonic. And he's also an entrepreneur. He has Discover Music, Discover Life and another uh, program called Jazz Alive. So I was one of his teachers and he would put me into the schools and uh, teach music. And that was perfect for me at the time because where I was in my life. So I was able to teach. I was able to teach uh, in various schools. And that was a great time teach uh, to teach jazz and, and life concepts to to young people that was great i miss it i miss it but my life has changed so i don't do that right now hopefully maybe i can do it again that's how i ended up teaching and i actually avoided private lessons for most of my life i just i just wasn't interested in teaching private lessons although i have done that now i teach privately on occasion i actually might do more private teaching i uh I have taught privately. Check out the episode five sales tips. I forgot what I titled it exactly, but there's an episode called five sales tips. And I put some of those things in practice uh, 
in real life and got students immediately, immediately, same week. So you should try that, too, if you're interested in building a studio, because that stuff, those sales tips really do work. That's why I made the episode for you. So if you haven't checked it out, listen to it. If you have checked it out and you're interested and you haven't applied it, apply it. All right. Stuff really works. Okay, that's my story. I'm sorry for going on and on. But that's how I became a teacher. And yeah, that's all for now, I guess. You know, it's really been a great time spending time with you today. And I just thank you for the privilege to serve you in this way. And right now, I want to tell you this. If you would like to leave a question or a comment and be on the show then please visit BehindTheNote.com. In the right-hand margin, you'll see an option to leave me a voicemail so I can actually leave your recording on the show and everybody can hear your voice and you can tell us to visit your website or whatever uh, you're working on right now. And that'll be great. And then we can all help each other. And that's all for today. Thank you so much for pressing play. And I'll catch you in the next episode where we have a conversation with Terrell Stafford. Oh, that's a good one. I can't wait to share that with you. God bless you.